Hi everyone, this is Juan Manuel and this is The Juan Show. Okay everyone, welcome back. This is Morning Affirmation. Today, I surround myself with a bubble of peaceful energy. I breathe in the energy of this peace all day long. This peaceful energy soothes me and calms me in the midst of whatever stressful situations I may encounter. I feel safe and secure in this bubble of God's light, protection, and love. That was morning affirmation. Hi everyone, this is Juan Noel. I am going to share my social media uh, links with you. On Facebook, look me up. It is Juan Manuel Villalpando. And I am also on Instagram for my artist account, which is all where I post all my artwork. Finished artwork, mind you. Uh, it is at HyperModKid. And for my personal account, it is Juan M. Vialpando, and that's where I put uh, a lot of my work in progress, my selfies, my little uh, quotes that I post here and there, and well, whatever little projects that I'm working on at the time, which I'm actually going to make that my business account. Um, so yeah, guys, give it a follow, and hope you guys continue listening to The Juan Show. Thank you so much. Hi everyone, welcome back. This is the Juan Show. Um, we have gone through some um, mantras today. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I honestly love those. They make me feel amazing. Um, it is sunny today. Um, and I'm grateful for that. A little windy, a little cloudy. There's a very, very strange cloud like right outside my window it's kind of huge i should probably take a picture of it at some point but i am not surprised (laughs) i'm not even gonna say anything but um okay so lately i have been doing lots of reading um there is an urge in me uh an urgency not an urgency but um just a gut feeling um of sorts that there's a lot of things that I need to um, learn and absorb. Um, now, I decided that the Juan show would be basically a show about me discovering new things and um, 
in sharing with you guys honestly it's it's up to you you can take it like a grain of salt but anyone who's on that path and you know who i'm talking to will know that whatever information that i'm giving you it's for a reason and it may relate to you may not but if it is for you um yeah it's for you (laughs) okay so today i am going to talk about sacred geometry um sacred geometry uh this is actually a short article that i found about it um and i can actually i'll probably post the link later um or if you guys want to know what it is message me and i will message you back um let me see i have to look through my through my telephone let me see okay and i'm just going to read it directly as i have it if you guys want to know more go to sacredgeometryinternational.com now most of us tend to think um of geometry as a relatively dry and not altogether boring subject remembered from my or middle school years consisting of endless axioms, definitions, postulates, and proofs heartening back, in fact, the myth- methodology of Euclid's elements and form and structure, a masterly exposition of logical thinking and mental training, but not the most thrilling to read one night to undertake in the leisure in their leisure time. While the modern academic approach to the study of geometry sees it as the very embodiment of rationalism and left-brained inter- intellectual processes, which indeed it is. It has neglected the right-brained, intuitive, artistic dimension of the subject. Sacred geometry seeks to unite and synthesize these two dynamic and complementary aspects of geometry integrated into an integrated whole. Robert Lawler addresses this fundamental fundamentally dualistic nature of geometry in the essential work sacred geometry philosophy and practice in 1982 in reference to medieval representation of geometry as a woman seated at a table with compasses in hand surrounded by implements of the art geometry as a contemplative practice is personified by an elegant and redefined woman for geometry functions as an intuitive synthesis creative yet associated with feminine principle but when these geometric laws can be applied into technology and daily life they're represented by rational masculine principle contemplative geometry is transformed into practical geometry lawler expresses the crucial idea in in definition of sacred geometry has both contemplative sides and a practical side and an intuitive and intellectual side it is both right-brained and left-brained further differentiating sacred geometry from the ordinary geometry of school days is the relation of number and symbol this difference i think is sufficient succinctly expressed by miranda lundy 
in her superb book entitled Simply Sacred Geometry in 2001. The sacred geometry charts, the unfolding number in space, it differs from mundane geometry purely in the sense that the moves and concepts involved regarded as having symbolic value and thus, like good music, facilitate the evolution of the soul. As quoted, sacred geometry then charts the unfolding number in space and has symbolic value and thereby has conferred upon a quantitative qualitative qualitative status absent from common geom geometry and here i must add that magnifying the inherent power of sacred geometry is the fact that it also charts unfolding of number in time that uh, this is an idea of such compelling ramifications that i must return to it in details in another article and this article was published march 5th 2016 at the very earliest appearance of human civilization, we observe the presence of importance of geometry. It is clearly evident that geometry was comp was comprehended and utilized by ancient master builders who laboring at the dawn of civilization some four and one and a half millennia ago bestowed upon the world such masterworks as the megalithic structures of ancient Europe, the pyramids and the temples of Pharaonic Pharaonic, Pharaoh, Pharaonic, Egypt, and stepped cigarettes of Sumeria. That geometry continued to be employed uh, throughout the centuries from those earliest of times until the times historically recent, it is also clear and evident that it was made use of cultures far flung from the globe is evident as well, finding expression in China, Central and South America, and Colombian, North American amongst Native Americans in Africa, Southeast Asia and Indonesia, Rome, and of course, classical Greece and Europe. From the megalithic era some 4,000 years ago, as stated, and again some 3,000 years later, magnificently expressed during the Gothic era of, of cathedral building. Geometry is especially associated with classical Greece and such illustrious figures as Pythagoras, Plato, and Eusalid, who wrote the actual textbook on the subject of aforementioned elements. Geometry has also held in particular reverence and high self-esteem by the ancient order of Freemasons, which is, of course, harkens back to the great cathedral building era of the 12th through 14th centuries from whom modern masons derive their pedigree let me see give me one sec okay guys welcome back to the Juan show i hope you guys enjoyed the morning affirmation there's a little um another thing that i found i've been on a little quest of finding little mantras and um, affirmations you can tell yourself um the next one i'm about to do hope you guys enjoy it too okay remember that you are water cry cleanse flow let go remember that you're fire burn tame adapt ignite remember that you're air observe breathe focus decide 
Remember that you are earth, ground, build, produce, give. Remember that you are spirit. Connect, listen, know, be still. Welcome back, guys and gals, whoever is listening to this. Um, today, I am going to be doing a reading, um, a reading of a book, a chapter that I'm currently reading right now as we speak. Um, this is, give me one sec. And this is from Rudolf Steiner outline of esoteric science and this is chapter six which i read earlier and i felt like i resonated with a lot of the things that i was reading in that portion of the book and i do recommend this book um it does go through a lot of different stages um on science and esoteric science um definitely worth um reading and it, it's it's pretty, I don't want to say it's time consuming, but there's definitely like a lot of information. Um, this one I'm doing is chapter six and it's cosmic and human evolution now and in the future. Unless we under, unless we understand past evolution, it is impossible to know that anything about the present and the future states of human and cosmic evolution in the sense of spiritual science because everything spiritual researchers are able to know about the present and the future is simultaneously present in what presents itself to their perception as they observe the hidden facts of the past. This book has dealt with Saturn, Sun, Moon, and Earth phases of evolution. Without observing the facts of previous evolutionary phases, we cannot understand the earth phase of evolution in the sense of spiritual science because in certain respects the realities of the of the moon sun and saturn phases are present in what confronts us in earthly world and um give me one sec the beings and things that were involved in the moon phase continue to to evolve, continued to evolve, and everything belongs to Earth, to Earth, belongs to our present Earth, came from them. However, not everything that came from the moon and has now become the Earth is perceptible to consciousness in the physical world of the senses. Okay, however, everything that came from the moon and has now become the earth is perceptible to consciousness in the physical world of the senses. Okay. Whoa, that's like a tongue. Part of what passed from the moon to the earth in the course of evolution only becomes evident at a certain level of sense perceptible consciousness. Having reached this level of cognition, we can perceive that our earthly world is connected to a su super sensible world, which contains the part of the moon existence that did not condense enough to physically to be physically perceived by our senses the super sensible world contains this aspect of the moon as 
as it is at present. The super sensible world contains this aspect of the moon as it is at present, not as it was during the ancient moon phase of evolution. However, it's possible for supersensible consciousness to get a picture of conditions at that time. I'm going to pause it right here because, whoa, that is a lot to... Let's see. Okay, I'm back. <clears throat> I had to grab a drink because I got a little thirsty um, and I got a little snack, not gonna lie. Um, and I got some wind chimes going. Um, okay. So, this is where I left off. The super sensible world contains aspects of the moon as it is present, not as it was during the ancient moon phase of evolution. However, it is possible for super sensible consciousness to get a picture of the condition at that time. When the super sensible consciousness concentrates on the perception that is possible at present, it becomes evident that this perception is gradually separating into two images all by itself. One image represents the form the Earth had during its moon phase of evolution, but as the other image presents itself, we can recognize that it contains a form that is still in a seminal stage only in the future. Will it become a reality in the way that the Earth is a reality now? On further observation, it becomes apparent that in a, common, in a certain sense of results of what happens on the Earth are constantly flowing into this future form, which therefore represents that our Earth is meant to to become. The effects of earthly existence will unite with what happens in this other world, giving rise to the new cosmic being in which the earth will eventually be transformed, just as a moon was transformed into the earth. We can call this future form the Jupiter stage. If this Jupiter stage is absorbed by means of supersensible perception, it becomes evident that in the future, certain processes will have taken place because certain beings and things are present in the supersensible part of the earthly world that it came from the moon. These beings and things will assume certain forms after various events have taken place within physical super... super... no, within... Okay, okay, okay. These beings will, uh, will assume certain forms after various events have taken place within the physical sense perceptible Earth realm. This means that the Jupiter stage will contain something that has already been predetermined by the moon phase of evolution, and it will also contain something new that is entering evolution as a whole only because as a process taking place on Earth, on the Earth. This is why it is possible for supersensible consciousness to experience something of what will happen during the Jupiter stage. The beings and facts that can be perceived within this field of consciousness does, do not have the character of sensory images. 
they do not even appear as delicate delicate airy structures that might give rise to effects reminiscent of sense impressions. These impressions we receive from them are purely spiritual impressions of sound, light, and warmth that are not expressed through the material embodiments of any sort. They can be only grasped by means of supersensible consciousness. It is possible to say that such beings have bodies, but these bodies become apparent within the soul element, their present essential nature, like a sum of condensed memories that these beings carry in their soul nature. Within such beings, we can distinguish between what they are now experiencing and what they have already experienced and now remember. The latter is contained in them like a bodily element, which is experienced in the same way that same way that earthly human beings experience their bodies. At a higher level of supersensible cognition that has that at a higher level of supersensible cognition that then that just as described for perceiving the moon and Jupiter, it is possible to perceive supersensible things and beings that are further evolved forms of what was already present during the sun stage. At present, these figures have achieved such high levels of existence that they are not perceptible at all to consciousness that has only reached the level of being able to perceive moon forms. This world's image also split into two when, when, when we contemplate it inwardly. One image leads to knowledge of the past sun stage, and while others presents Others presents, while other other presents, while the other presents a future form of Earth. The Earth will assume this form when the effects of Earth and Jupiter processes have flowed into the forms of this world. Spiritual science calls it this the Venus stage. Similar, similarly, a future stage of evolution that can be called the Vulcan stage which has the same relationship to Saturn as Venus, to the Sun and Jupiter, to the Moon, becomes evident to, to a still more highly developed supersensible consciousness. Therefore, consider in the past, present, past, present, and future of the Earth, we can speak of Saturn, Sun, Moon, Earth, Jupiter, Venus, and Vulcan phases of evolution. Several chapters of these in this book have described that the human world and human beings themselves move, move through these stages that have been given the names Saturn, Sun, Earth, Jupiter, Venus, and Vulcan. The relationship of human evolution to certain celestial bodies which coexist with the Earth have been given the names Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, and so on was also indicated. Of course, these heavenly bodies are also undergoing evolutions of their own. At the present time, they have reached the stage where the physical aspects present themselves to our perceptions as entities that physical astronomy knows as Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, and so on. And in the case of spiritual science, present-day Saturn is a reincarnation of ancient Saturn, so to speak, and came about the came about because of the pre 
presence of certain beings prior to the sun separation from the earth. These particular beings were unable to participate in the separation because they had incorporated so many char characteristics suited to Saturn existence that they were out of place on a cosmic body that concentrated primarily on developing sun's characteristics. Present-day Jupiter, however, came about because of the presence of beings with characteristics that only be able to develop during the future stage of general evolution. A dwelling place has made where could a dwelling place was made where they could foreshadow this this future evolution. What? Okay, present day Jupiter, however, came about because da, 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 a dwelling place was was made where they could foreshadow this future evolution. Mars is a celestial body inhabited by beings who went through the moon phase of evolution in such a way that they no longer had anything to gain from staying on Earth. Mars is a reincarnation of the old moon on a higher level. Present day Mercury is the dwelling of beings who are ahead of Earth as Earth's evolution because they have developed certain earthly characteristics in higher form that is possible on Earth. In a similar present day Venus, prof prophetically anticipates the Venus stage of the future. Because all of this, we are quite justified in giving stages before and after the Earth phase the names of their present representative in the cosmos. It goes without saying that when, when people want to use intellects trained in the outer observation of nature to judge a parallel drawn here between the supersensibly perceived states, as states of Saturn, Sun, and so on, and their namesakes among the physical heavenly bodies that will raise objections to what has been presented here, but just as as it is possible to use mathemat mathematical concepts to visualize the solar system as an image of happenings in space and time, it is also possible for a super sensible cognition to imbue these mathematical image with the soul content so that it takes on a form that permits drawing this parallel. Imbuing the image with soul content in this way, however, it is fully consistent with the further application of strict natural scientific method of observation. At the moment, this natural scientific method still restricts itself, trying to express inter interrelationship between the solar system and the earth in a purely mathematical mechanical concepts while the natural science of the future will of itself will be driven to expand these mechanical concepts to include ones imbued with soul. Give me a break because I need to breathe. Whoa, I, I feel like I read too, too fast sometimes. Maybe not fast enough. <laughs> it would certainly be possible to show that these modern natural scientific ideas already provide sufficient grounds for expanding these concepts, but this undertaking would require a whole book within itself. All that can be done here is to point to this matter, although doing so exposes it to many misunderstandings as a result. The disagreements between spiritual science and natural science are often only apparent ones. They result simply in the refusal of natural science to formulate ideas that are demanded not only by supersensible cognition, but also, if the truth be told, by cognition that restricts itself to sense-perceptible things.
let me see where am i at right now okay so i'm at the 15 minute mark okay everywhere in the results of modern natural scientific observations unbiased observers can find indications of other fields of purely sensory physical observation that will have to be investigated in, in a purely na natural scientific manner in the future. Such investigations will show that a full observation of nature confirms what supersensible perception reveals about supersensible cosmic events with the corresponding sense, percent, sense perceptible manifestations. In addition to comprehensive circumstances of Earth's evolution, observations of the near future also present themselves to our consciousness. Every image of the past corresponds to one of the future. However, in discussing these things, we must emphasize something that urgently needs to be taken into account. If you want to know about things like this, we must totally relinquish the view that philosophical contemplation educated merely by sense-perceptible reality is capable of discovering anything about them, that these things cannot and should not be ever be researched by thinking about them in this way. If we were able to believe that because spiritual science has already supplied us with enough information about the moon phase of evolution, we will now be able to discover that things will look like on Jupiter by comparing the circumstances of Earth and Moon and implying these kind of this this kind of thinking we will succumb to enormous deceptions. These circumstances should only be researched through super-sensible consciousness that rises to the, level, to the level necessary to observe them. Only when the results of these research have been communicated it is also possible to understand them without super-sensible consciousness. Spiritual researchers are in different positions with the regard of communication about the future that they that then they are with regard to those about the past. We are not initially able to confront future events as impartially as we confront the past. What will happen in the future stirs up feelings and willing, but we but we tolerate the past quite differently. Anyone who observes life will know that this is truth, even in an ordinary existence, but only those who are aware of certain things in supersensible worlds can know what forms these tendency, what forms this tendency assumes, and to what an enormous extent it increases with regards to life's hidden facts. This is the reason why knowledge of these things is kept within very specific limits. Just as greater cosmic evolution can be presented as secession of states from Saturn through the Vulcan phase, it is also possible to present shorter spans of time, such as those that make up Earth phase of evolution. These enormous upheaval that brought an end to life on Atlantis was followed by the stages in human evolution that have been described in this book as the ancient Indian, Asian Persian, Egypto-Chaldean and Greco-Latin cultural periods. The fifth period is where we stand now, the, the present. This period began gradually around the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th, 14th centuries AD. After having been pre prepared ever since the 4th and 5th centuries, 
it has been clearly evident that uh, ever since the 15th century, the Greco-Latin period that preceded it began around the 8th century BC and at the end of the first third of the Christ event. First third the Christ event took place. <clears throat> the disposition and faculties of the human soul changed during the transition of Egypto-Chaldean period to Greco-Latin period. Uh, Greco-Latin. During the Egypto-Chaldean period, what we know now as logical thinking or grasping of the world through reason did not yet exist. At that at that time, the knowledge we now make our own through intellect was acquired in a way that was appropriate, appropriate then directly through an inner knowledge that was super sensible in certain respect while while people perceive things the necessary concept of image of those things simply appeared in their souls when the faculty of cognition is like this not only do images of the physical world of the senses appear the certain knowledge of non-sensory realities and beings also arises out out of the soul's depth this was a remnant of the ancient dust-like supersensible consciousness that all humankind had formerly possessed in the greco-latin age there were more and more people who lacked this faculty in its place the capacity for intellectual reflection appeared people became more and more removed from direct dreamlike perception of the world and the soul spirit of the soul and spirit and ever more dependent on their intellect and feelings to provide an image of that world in some respects this state of affairs continued throughout the fourth post-atlantean period only those individuals who had retained the legacy of the former soul disposition so to speak were able to admit the spiritual world into their consciousness directly these people however were holdovers from an earlier age their type of cognition was no longer suited to the new age because as a result of laws of evolution an old soul's capacity loses its full significance when new faculties appear human life adapts to these new faculties and no longer knows what to do with the old ones there were also individuals however who were quite consciously began to develop other higher powers in addition to the powers of intellect and feeling they they had acquired these powers made it possible for them to break through into the world of soul and spirit again the way that they had to do they had to begin to do this was quite different from how it had been among the students of the ancient initiates who had not considered the soul faculties that developed only during fourth post-atlantean period this fourth period saw be the beginning beginnings of the type of modern spiritual training that had been described in this book however at the time it was only in the beginning stages it could only fully be developed in the fifth post-atlantean beginning with the 12th and 14th centuries and especially since the 15th century people who attempted attempted to ascend into super sensible worlds in this way were able to experience something about higher realms of existence through their own imagination, inspiration, and intuition. Okay, that part right there. People who attempted to ascend into supersensible worlds in this way 
were able to experience something about higher realms of existence through their own imagination, inspiration, and intuition. To those who, who were content with the, the faculties of intellects and feelings that had developed what ancient clairvoyance, ancient clairvoy, clairvoyance had known was accessible only through oral and written traditions that were passed down from generation to generation. For people born after Christ event who did not make their way up to supersensible worlds, such traditions were also their only means of knowing anything about the essential nature of this event. However, there were certain initiates who still possessed the old natural ability to perceive the supersensible world and whose development allowed them to enter a higher world in spite of the fact of that they disregarded humankind's new intellectual and emotional powers. They created a transition from the old form of initiation to the new one. People like these were also present in the subsequent periods. However, the essential characteristic of fourth post-Atlantean period was that the human powers of intellect and feelings were straightened by being cut off direct interaction with the world of the souls and spirit. The souls who incarnated then and greatly developed these powers and carried the results of the development over into their incarnation period during the fifth period. Okay. As compensation, uh, as compensation for having been cut off of the spiritual world, the mighty traditions of ancient wisdom were available, especially to those having to do with the Christ event through the very power of their content these traditions provided human souls with the confident knowledge of the higher world there are also always there were also humans wait 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 they were also always human souls however who developed their powers of higher cognition in addition to their faculties of intellect and feeling it was incumbent upon them to experience the realities of the higher world and is especially the mystery of the Christ event by means of direct supersensible knowledge. They were always allowed as much of this to flow into other human souls as was comprehensible to them and good for them. In harmony with the purpose of Earth's evolution, the first expansion of Christianity was made meant to take place at a time when most of humankind had not developed faculties of supersensible cognition. This is why the force of tradition was so powerful at that time. An extremely powerful force was needed to make people confident in the supersensible world if they themselves were not able to behold this world. With the exception of a brief time during the 13th century, there were almost always individuals who were able of lifting themselves up into higher worlds through imagination, inspiration, and intuition. In the Christian era, these people in the Christian era, the, these people were successors of initiates of initiates of antiquity who had been leaders and members of centers of mystery wisdom. The task of these new initiates was to recognize once again through their own faculties what has once been comprehended through ancient mystery wisdom and to add to this knowledge as essential nature of Christ's event. Thus, the knowledge arising from the, these new initiates, and new initiates 
encompassed all the subject matter of ancient initiation, but from its center radiated the higher knowledge of these mysteries of the Christ event. As long as the human souls of the fourth post-Atlantean period were meant to be consolidating their faculties of intellect and feeling, this knowledge was only able to flow into general life to a limited extent. So during that time, it was really quite hidden. Hidden. Then the new age of the fifth cultural period dawned. Its main feature was further development of intellectual abilities which blossomed exuberantly, then will continue to unfold in the present and future. A gradual buildup of this period began in the 12th and 13th century centuries, and its process accelerated from the 16th century onward into the present. Oh God. <laughs>